Today on the 1012 Podcast, Kelly Ford, a.k.a. K. Ford Ratings, joins us to preview the Big 12's non-conference slate, including games to know, underrated games, and which team's going to have the most closed games on the schedule this year. Plus, we break down 247's article, Ranking Big 12 Teams Based Off Recruiting Potential, and Stefan Doyle of Sports Social is here. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Welcome to the 1012, the podcast that covers all 14 teams in the Big 12 Conference, plus Colorado, Arizona, Arizona State, and Utah. We are the flagship show of the 1012 Network. You can find every show in the 1012 Network at 1012network.com. That's T E N, the number 12, the word network. We are partners with Sport Social, the biggest sports podcast network in Europe. I'm your host, Philip Slavin. Thank you for joining us on this Monday. What a Monday it is, folks. We are now 10 days away from the start of the 2023 Big 12 football season. UCF versus Kent State kicks everything off for the Big 12 Thursday of next week. Obviously, we have week zero games this week, so college football is even nearer to us. I can't wait. I absolutely cannot wait. I know all of the fans in the Big 12 are excited about what is going to be an historic season. Period. Hands down. Incredible. Think about this for a second. Oklahoma State, Texas Tech, Cincinnati, and UCF have all announced they have sold out of season tickets. BYU is out of all new and non-renewable season tickets. So like people who have had them in the past can still get there potentially. UCF has sold out of Single game tickets for multiple games. West Virginia is on pace to outsell last season. Iowa State is on track to sell their second most season tickets ever. Houston set a football season ticket record back in June. Kansas State's doing very well. They don't run out of season tickets because of the way that it's set up. And that's just from what I could Google and find or what had been announced on Twitter. I think the general consensus is Big 12 fans are thrilled for this season and cannot wait. Both new and old. I'm excited. You're excited. The season cannot get here soon enough. If you're watching today's show on YouTube, do us a favor, like this video, subscribe. Don't forget to subscribe. If you're watching in podcast land, give us a rating five stars, please. We would really appreciate it. It really does help the show out. It is the easiest way to help the show out. It just takes you a couple minutes to leave five stars, leave a review, Shout out to number one Cleveland fan on iTunes. Great show. Five stars. As a Bearcats fan, I recently found the show, and it is great. Love that you had Justin Williams on the show. Keep up the great work. Justin Williams of The Athletic came on last week. Fantastic interview about Cincinnati and the Big 12 as a whole. Go check that out if you have not. Shout out to Vegans Running Fatty. Okay, great show for Big 12 fans. Five stars of all the Big 12 podcasts out there. This is one of the best I've listened to by far. Thank you to all of you who have left us a glowing review. We appreciate all of you. It really does help. Another easy way to show your support for both the 1012 podcast and shows in the network is on our Patreon. We have a Patreon. The link is in the show notes. You can go to patreon.com forward slash 1012 network, T-E-M, the number 12, the word network. I said we weren't going to post a bunch of exclusive content there, that this was set up as a way for listeners and fans to be supportive of the show. I am going to try and get something out there this week. So 
if you follow us on social, keep an eye out. Twitter, at 1012network. Uh, Instagram, at 1012pod. Threads is at 1012network. We're on Blue Sky now as well. The 1012network is on Blue Sky. I'm not doing TikTok, but I'll try and keep up with all these different ones. So I will try and have some content for you this week. I'm not going to tell you what it is because you know the rule. But I'll repeat it because every podcast is someone's first. If I tell you what it will be, it will not happen. It will fall through. So hopefully I'll have some audio for you on the Patreon that will be Patreon exclusive. Before we get to today's guests, fantastic guests. Always love having Kelly Ford on. Always love having Kelly Ford on. And we're going to teach you a little bit more about Sports Social today, the podcast network out of Europe that we are now partners with. Uh, 247 put out an article last week, polled multiple of the national recruiting analysts that write for 247, uh, and did a Big 12 football program's ranked by recruiting potential as Arizona, Arizona State, Colorado, and Utah join. I'm going to read you the rankings they put together. Now, I'll give you the score, and the score is you know tabulated based off of average scores. So if you ranked a team, if everybody ranked a team one, they'd have one point. Right? So number one was TCU. Average position of 1.38. Number two, Utah. Number three, UCF. Number four, Texas Tech. Number five, Baylor. Arizona State and Colorado are tied at sixth. Houston at eight. Oklahoma State at nine. Arizona at 10. Cincinnati at 11. Kansas State at 12. BYU at 13. Iowa State at 14. Then Kansas and West Virginia bringing up the rear. Uh, it's a it's an interesting read. Uh, I, I, I reached out to a couple of the... Uh, national writers who, who contributed to this. I didn't hear back from them. I'm going to have to pay for Twitter blue check mark so that I can DM people as opposed to having to like, Hey, can you follow us so that we can message you? I don't want to do it, but I'm going to have to do it because I just have to, and I don't want to. We'll see. Um, they had a lot of nice things to say about UCF. Uh, Arizona state was the one that they had the biggest divergence between a couple of people voted on them really high and they ended up fairly low. Uh, they know that Arizona has some momentum. Here, here are my thoughts on this. TCU at number one, I don't have a problem with that. If you ask me right now who I would put at number one, it would be UCF. And here's why. The state of Texas is only going to be more difficult to recruit because there are more hands now going to be reaching into that pot just in this conference. Forget the fact that Oklahoma and Texas are going to the SEC. They already grab a bunch of the best players out of Texas. There are plenty of good players in Texas going to TCU, Texas Tech, Baylor. But now Colorado is going to have access to to Texas in a way they didn't. And they have Deion Sanders. Arizona is going to have more access to Texas in a way they didn't because they're going to be playing in the Big 12. I think adding more teams to the pot who are going to recruit the state of Texas is only going to make it more difficult for TCU, Texas Tech, Baylor, and Houston, and Oklahoma State. So while I'm fine with TCU at one, I would probably put UCF there because they are the only school in the conference in the state of Florida. And there's not suddenly more schools diving into Florida than there already are. And we're already seeing UCF recruit very, very well. They lead the Big 12 with, I believe, last check, nine four-star commits. It was the most the Big 12 for the 2024 class as of right now. I would put UCF at number one. I'm going to be honest, I don't know if enough about Utah to have them at number two, but they recruit well. I think they will have success in the Big 12 in football. They will. I'm fine with that there. I would have TCU at two behind UCF. Uh, TCU to me is is centrally located in Texas. 
they have success, like they're going to be fine. Texas Tech at four, I'd put them at three. I put Utah at four. And a Baylor at five is fine, I guess. Um, no, because I would put Colorado up there. I would move Colorado up ahead of Baylor. I know that sounds crazy. I would move Colorado ahead of Baylor. I think Dion is going to be just fine and is only going to continue to recruit more. And as soon as they start winning games at Colorado under Dion Sanders, they're going to recruit even more. Now, understand, some of this is going to go up and down. West Virginia is in last place. I don't think they should be in last place. I think you get a good head coach in there and provide some stability. West Virginia will shoot up there because they've shown the potential to recruit better. And they've recruited fairly well, given how the situation that Neil Brown has found himself in. I would not have West Virginia last. I would have Kansas last. It's always been hard to recruit to Kansas. It's just you're not in a location and you haven't had the success to to really get the kinds of classes you want. Uh, I'm fine with Iowa State down low, BYU down low, Kansas State down low. It's not a shot at Kansas State. It's just always been a problem for Kansas State. It doesn't mean they don't recruit well. It doesn't mean they don't get good players to show up there. They just have to do things a little bit differently. Uh, I think I would have Arizona higher and Oklahoma State being in the middle of the pack is fine because that's just how Gundy likes to recruit. Overall, I don't I don't hate this. And I want you to understand, like, Kansas State at 12 is super insulting to Kansas State fans. I don't know that the gap here between 6 and 12 is that big. And then I would put a decent-sized gap from there to, like, 13 through 16. BYU is always going to struggle. It's just, it's BYU. Like, it's not because they don't have success. It's, you're a a religious institution. There's just rules and things that are going to make it hard. You have advantages because you're BYU. You also have disadvantages because you're BYU. I don't think I'm explaining anything to BYU fans they don't already know. It's an interesting list if you're a 247 Sports uh, subscriber. Go and check it out. We'll put the link in the show notes. Um, I am going to try and bring on somebody who voted on this at some point and get them to talk about this. I'll keep working on that. Maybe that will be something that goes on Patreon or just on YouTube. Oh, I'm ready for the season. I know why you are too. I'm also ready to get moving on these two fantastic interviews that we have for you. Kelly Ford, K4 Ratings on Twitter. You know him. He's fantastic. He's one of our favorite guests. Let's talk about the non-conference for the Big 12, including uh, the absolute gauntlet of offenses that West Virginia have to face this season. Uh, Who has the most projected one-score games on their schedule this year? And what are the non-conference games you should not only know, but the ones that are under the radar you definitely should be keeping an eye on. We've got a lot of questions for Kelly Ford and Stefan Doyle, who runs Sports Social. Tell you a little bit more about that network that we are now partners with. So don't forget 1012network.com. Check out every show on the network. Check out the Patreon. Link is in the show notes. Let's get to it. You know him as Cade 4 Ratings on Twitter. He is Kelly Ford with thelines.com. Kelly, welcome back, sir. Thanks, Philip. I appreciate it. It is always fun coming on the 1012 Network. It's a special place in my heart, given what this uh, podcast did for me and my own podcast adventure. So I always appreciate it. Always happy to get on with you. And it's even more exciting because we're just about a week away from week zero. So real college football games to discuss before too much longer, man. Oh, it's so close. It's 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 palpable. Like it's it's just in the air, right? Like and I, it just it, the sooner it gets here, 
I'm I'm done with talking season. I'm ready to be finished with talking season. Um, realignment is is on at least a long pause for the minute. We don't have to talk about it. Like I just want football to be here. I want to watch games. I want to talk about games. I don't want to pontificate anymore, even though that's what we're about to do today. <laughs> I just want to be like, oh, good, we have actual game footage to talk about, even if it's you know against. A three and seven FCS team. I don't care. I just want to actually talk about football. But uh, speaking of games against FCS opponents, what we are going to do with our good friend Kelly today is preview the Big 12's non-conference a little bit. I want to talk about some of Look, we all put out rankings of best non-conference games. Um, we've posted some stuff on our Instagram account. We've posted games I think are more underrated and interesting. Thank you, Kansas State, for always providing a few of those every year. <laughs> but I wanted to talk with Kelly because if you don't know Kelly and you aren't on Twitter and you don't know K-Ford ratings, then you are going to have some fun today. Obviously, you should if you listen to the show, but every show is somebody's first. I want to talk about some of the, the more interesting and the best non-conference matchups in the Big 12 this season. There's the ones you all know, and we'll talk about those. I'm sure Texas, Alabama, Texas Tech, Oregon, Baylor, and Utah. But I think there are some more that are sneaky under the radar, uh, some that I just, I'm just i keeping my eye on for just pure interest because of the opponent. And so, Kelly, let's let's kind of start with the easy question. Uh, you you stack up some of the rankings of like non-conference opponents and strength of schedule and, and everything. How does the Big 12's non-conference to you stack up against the other Power 5's in what they have in the non-conference? Yeah, for sure. So, Philip, as you mentioned, we do have some FCS games in there. Everybody has FCS games, including uh, the SEC, which, of course, people talk about them only playing eight (gasps) conference games. I know, I know. And how could they schedule cupcakes in November? Although I will say it does to me, Philip, and you would know better, but it does to me seem like there's maybe a couple fewer FCS games this year and that's because you've got teams like Texas and Oklahoma who aren't playing FCS teams it feels like usually almost everybody has at least one so I think there's maybe one or two less this year which is exciting and is good for the conference but most everybody outside of those two does have an FCS game actually Houston does not either um, as I look at their schedule here with Sam Houston making that transition to FBS so the way that I'm looking at this Philip and you talked you touched on the biggest games My projected game ratings put out the top 40 college football games of this season in terms of projected average quality. So what are the teams involved average K-Ford rating and what's the competitive projected competitiveness? So my projected K-Ford spread, because if you have two really, really good teams, obviously the competitiveness is going to be there. If you have one really good team and one not, that average K-Ford rating could be close to a 50, if not above, but it's not going to be a good game. So we have to kind of find a way to match those two together. The three that you just mentioned, kind of under your breath a little bit, because we're going to dive into other ones, are the three, unsurprisingly, that come out on top of my projected game ratings. Texas at Alabama, that's the number eight projected game all year by my numbers. It's a uh, projected game score of 95.3. Oregon at Texas Tech, this is a really exciting one in week two under the radar as Texas Alabama is, but that one's kind of front and center. 89.4, it makes it a top 30 game. And then the third one you mentioned also in week two. Week two is a massive week for the Big 12. Yes. We, we, we've got yes. Utah at Baylor in 88.3. If I look at my best projected games of week two, those are the top three games in order. So I, I don't want to put everything on, you know, the CFP or bust mentality. It's not. And and I really don't want to do that in the final year of a four-team CFP, which I really love. But if we're looking big picture in some of the aspirations that these teams have, week two, tech, or, uh, excuse me, the Big 12 is going to play a huge role in the national landscape. 
If you go two and one in those games, I think Big 12 fans are pretty happy. Uh, if you go one and two, it depends which one. Uh, and obviously three and oh, you're thrilled and oh and three. It's it's a bummer as you head into conference play. But I'm really excited about the top end games and also some teams scheduling up a little bit more. Uh, we also could have had Oklahoma, uh, Georgia, if not for that series being canceled due to Oklahoma's impending membership change uh, next year. So I'm really excited about the Big 12 non-conference, maybe more so this year than ever before. It definitely feels like it's got some marquee games that it's lacked the last couple of years. Um, you know, obviously backyard brawl, which is also being played this year as well. Awesome. Uh, being back was a big deal, but I, we haven't had some of these as many marquee ones to me. And, and, and like Texas typically has somebody, OU usually has somebody, but Texas Tech having a game like this, Baylor having a game of this magnitude, like these are big to me. Um, you mentioned it week two. Week two is loaded. Week two is overloaded. I, I, I'm uh, week one in college football used to be a bigger deal and used to have more marquee games. And now everybody wants their warm up. And then so, and which is disappointing because like week one, the NFL has not started regular season games. Week one, Labor Day weekend, that is college football. Like they get to own that weekend. And I understand teams don't want to come out the gate against a marquee opponent. But I feel like they are, as a as a sport, college football is wasting Labor Day weekend in the way that it has begun to treat it. It's like Sunday night's game used to be a, a good, and I don't remember what this year's is. I think it's like, is it like Clemson, Georgia Tech? It's just an ACC game or something. Or? That's the that's the Monday night Labor Day. The Sunday night we okay. have LSU, Florida State. So that, I mean, we okay. got to give that's a big one. But you, that's a big but one. You're, that's a big you're one. right, though. I don't know why college football is not trying to capitalize more. Well, I do know for the reasons you just outlined, they want a warm-up game. But without the NFL to overshadow the play at all, any day, college football is going, you know, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. I would like to see more marquee games. Of course, we have LSU, Florida State. We talked about Florida, Utah, North Carolina, South Carolina. Those are kind of the top three games for me in week one by my numbers. If we're looking at Big 12 teams, though, Philip, there's a couple. I I like West Virginia at Penn State. Like, that's a game that I think we can get excited about. I know you're you're cringing. You're cringing as a West Virginia (laughs) supporter on this podcast. But I do think I'm excited about the potential that West Virginia could show after an entire summer to prepare for this game. I, Fair. I've talked about Fair. this before, Philip, and, and I think it's a real a real point that needs to be considered. The longer you have to prepare for a game, the more it favors the underdog, in my opinion. West Virginia is going to be an underdog in that game. If I look at my preseason numbers right now, I, I got it at 20.5 points. 20 and a half points is what I have West Virginia as a projected underdog on the road at Penn State. That's an 8% win probability for West Virginia. But I like West Virginia's chances a lot better in week one against Penn State than I would in week three or week four when they only have one week to prepare. I think the longer you have to prepare, the more it favors that underdog. So that's a game to me that comes into the top 10 of my uh, of my week one game ratings. UTSA at Houston, there's another one which I'm excited about. And again, from a from a Big 12 perspective, much more competitive game for the for projected competitive for the Big 12 team. Houston, I right now have favored by about two points. So I think that's going to be a very, very close game. And then the other one that sneaks onto this list, because as you mentioned, the week one slate is relatively weak, especially when you compare it to week two. I've got Texas Tech at Wyoming showing up at number 14 here. Texas Tech about a 13 and a half point favorite. But you got to go to Laramie. I mean, that, that that's tough. We talked about the advantage that uh, an underdog might have the longer you have to prepare. You're on the road for Texas Tech here. Uh, and hopefully they're not doing a look ahead. We talked about that game against Oregon at home uh, in week two. Hopefully they're not overlooking the Cowboys there in Wyoming. Um, but I, I don't think they will be. I think they'll be focused. I think they'll be ready. Uh, but that's another game that I think from a Big 12 standpoint uh, has some intrigue in week one for me. Those are the three that top my my top 20 um, in, in week one. 
Yeah, look, I mean, Texas Tech has a tendency to kind of start slow in week one. That should make that an interesting game. It's a very weird game to go all the way to Wyoming to open the season. Um, West Virginia Pitt, as you mentioned, like I, Pitt is currently a 20 and a half point favorite from what I can tell from, from, from the Vegas lines Penn, at this Penn point. Penn State, Penn State. I'm oh, sorry, yeah. Penn State is a 20 and a half point favorite. Yeah, that's what, thank you. Um, I, I, there are interesting games. UTSA at Houston. UTSA is going to be the ranked team on the road at Houston, or at least the, the higher ranked from our opinion of Houston. And that was a close game last year. Like that one is very, this is my conversation with like interesting games. Colorado TCU is an interesting game. I don't know, again, like Penn State, West Virginia, how good of a game it will be from watchability, but it's an interesting game. And so week one's got a lot of interesting games. Week twos are all the, the just like, no, this is this should be good. Like, this should be a good week. But like, and that's my thing of like, I, I need week one to have a few more, like I need a Texas Tech Oregon in week one. Yeah. I need a little bit, I, I need the big 12 and I understand it's up to the, the teams mm-hmm. who, you know, the coaches can have an influence on scheduling, whether they say they, they do or not. Like, to kind of be like, look, can we can we do a little more week one? Like, I understand. Thank you, West Virginia Pitt, although, or West Virginia Penn State, although I would I would suggest West Virginia maybe stop scheduling <laughs> two power fives and non-con. We'll say the same thing to Colorado moving forward. Uh, so week one is at least interesting. Uh, week two, I think we've highlighted the three marquee ones, but that doesn't include all the games in week two. We're going to have the Cyhawk Trophy, also known as El Asico, which I think is very appropriate for what we should expect <laughs> from Iowa State and Iowa on the football field this year. Uh, Cincinnati Pitt, it's two, two Big 12 teams will be facing Pitt this year. That one is interesting and intriguing. UCF at Boise State is, a I, 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 again, very underrated game. Oklahoma State at Arizona State, like, I don't even think that's Oklahoma State's most difficult non-conference game this season, but you get an Arizona State team who's going to be in the Big 12 next year, like, that's going to be a talking point to that game, so it's one to keep an eye on. You get Illinois at Kansas on Friday. Like, I'm glad that game is on Friday, because I want the opportunity to watch Illinois' defense face off against Kansas's offense, because if that game was on Saturday, it would get completely lost in the shuffle, and it shouldn't. That is, a that is to me... One of the most underrated non-conference games in the Big 12 this year. Absolutely. Every single game you just mentioned, Philip, is showing up in my top 20 graphic for week two games. And there's a couple even that you haven't touched on because that's how deep the slate is here. Uh, so to, to recap those that you talked about, I have Iowa and Iowa State, El Asico. That's, a, that's amazing. Projecting number seven game. Uh, that's, you know, notwithstanding some of the things going on at Iowa State that that um, are still being resolved. UCF at Boise State. That's the number eight game for me. Cincinnati at Pitts, number 11. Illinois at Kansas, number 12. Uh, SMU at Oklahoma. That's one that wasn't mentioned yet. I have that number 13. Oklahoma State, Arizona State, 14. Troy at Kansas State is another one that hasn't been mentioned, which if we think back to last year and what Tulane was able to, Kansas State had a phenomenal year. I mean, Big 12 champs. If you would have told me that a year ago, Kansas State's going to go win the Big 12, I would have said, I can, I can see it. I actually think we might've talked about it on this, on the show about a year ago, Phil. I can say, I could, I could see it, but I'd be surprised. Well, I'll be dang. They did it. It was awesome. But don't forget Tulane went up there and got them. Now Tulane ended up being a really good team. Troy could be a really good team this year. So Kansas state, I think they've learned their lesson, if you will, with regard to a, a, um, a group of five team coming into their house early in the year. I'm not expecting Kansas state to lose that game right now. My numbers make the wildcats uh, a 15 point favorite, which is probably similar to what I had with Tulane. Maybe it was a little bit closer last year. Um, um, but I still think Kansas State's going to take care of business, but it shows up in my my top 15 there. And that, I mean, 
I've named almost every team in the Big 12 that has a top 15 projected game in week two. It's an absolutely phenomenal slate for the conference. And yes, to reiterate your point, if we could have slid one or two of those into week one, uh, just to even it out a little bit. But hey, man, this is why we have the five TV set up. Anytime you're in Indianapolis, you are welcome to get on up here. We'll throw on a, a Big 12 watch party for sure. Uh, but yeah, it's going to be fun. And I'm going to need those TVs in week two, as you alluded to. Yeah, I mean, the only games I think we haven't mentioned are games against FCS opponents or Houston at Rice, which, okay. Uh, no, like week two is loaded. And so before we move to week three, and then, and then I think there's one more in week four, like at outside of Alabama, Texas, obviously, uh, Texas Tech, Oregon, and BYU, or I'm sorry, uh, Utah and, and Baylor. Those are the three biggest ones, I think. We've, we've talked about this. Where do you view the other biggest opportunities for the Big 12 this year in non-conference? You, you I, Again, we don't want to have to sit here and harp on the playoff. I don't want to have to talk about it. We're in, in August. I don't need to deal with that stuff until November. But <laughs> this is the this is going to be a great season for the Big 12. 14 teams. It's the last year for OU in Texas. The four newcomers coming in. Old rivalries renewed. New rivalries going to start building. Like There's so much to be excited about that we haven't even spent that much time on. Like Where are the opportunities for the Big 12 in your mind? to really plant a flag down this year. And I want to leave Texas and Oklahoma out of this completely. Mm-hmm. Really look at the conference and say, these are opportunities for the conference to continue to build off what I think it started building the last two years when you had Baylor and Oklahoma State in the championship game, TCU and Kansas State in the Big 12 championship game, TCU in the playoff. Like the conference has got to start rebuilding, or building a new reputation for itself. Where can it do that this year in the non-conference? Yeah, uh, we've talked about so many of the big games and and even some of the kind of games maybe a half step below the absolute marquees in week two, like we talked about, taking Texas and Oklahoma out. Philip, where I'll go is I'll look at my projected Big 12 standings for this year. And we know the conference is going to look very different in 2024 as college football entire landscape will. But for this year, what we what we're looking at, I've got TCU and Kansas State kind of as those next two best teams with Kansas State with a, a little bit easier of a schedule overall. So they're slight have a slightly better chance to make the conference championship game than TCU. So those two teams, Texas Tech, Baylor, UCF, are all the ones kind of coming in there. So if I go to those schedules in particular, Kansas State, we talked about that tricky Troy game at home uh, in week two. They go on the road to Missouri in week three. And say what you want. I think Missouri is going to be an improved team this year. I think that defense is legit. It's going to be hard to go on the road. I'm currently making Kansas State, <clears throat> excuse me, a slight un- or a slight favorite in that game. But that could be a tricky one for them. TCU, you mentioned it. It's a game that didn't show up on my projected best games. That has more to do with the opponent than TCU. But Colorado, week one, I've, you're, you've been seeing the previews for a long time on Fox already. They're pumping up this game, Coach Prime, Colorado, all this. It's exciting for the Big 12 moving forward. I have serious concerns about Colorado and what they're going to be able to do in year one under Dion with the amount of turnover they had. USC proved me wrong last year. You can piece together an entire roster through the transfer portal and have a good season. TC, or excuse me, Colorado is taking that and t- turning it up times 10, trying to figure out what they're going to look like has been challenging. But that's a game because of the national stage that it's on, because it's week one and and a week one that maybe is relatively weak compared to the weeks that follow. It's going to be in the, the, the limelight of the nation. And so TCU coming off a national championship game appearance last year, um, they're going to want to make a statement in that game. I currently like the Horned Frogs by about 22 and a half. So again, by winning that game, they're not going to get a ton of credit in my most deserving rankings, if you will. But they're going to get a lot of credit in the eyes of the college football public, I think, because the expectation for Colorado nationally, uh, I think it's cooled a little bit since the spring, but I think it's still higher than what the numbers would suggest it should be. So I think to me, that's an important game. Texas Tech, we've talked about theirs. They go to Wyoming week one. That's tricky. Oregon's the big one for them in week two. Baylor. 
Um, their non-conference, uh, I won't lie, is it's it's not too, the, the Utah game is awesome, and they're getting Utah to come to them. It's going to be fun. But Texas State at home, LIU at home, uh, nothing there really stands out to me as a chance to make make a statement. UCF, they got to go to Boise State in week two. We talked about that game a little bit. To me, that's a that's a statement type game for UCF. You know, hey, they've been Group of Five, now they're Power Five. Uh, there's been no group of five program in the last 15 years. That's been a bigger national story, probably if not UCF, then Boise state. So to me, that's a great game and a chance for UCF to really say, we have taken that step, not just in Crawford's affiliation, but in program, uh, talent and ability. We are a power five program. Now to me, that's a tricky game. They have to go on the road across the entire country. I currently like the Knights of about two in that one. Um, and then I mentioned Oklahoma state is another team that's kind of right there on the outside. The Arizona state game is big central Arkansas, not so much South Alabama, not so much, but don't sleep on South Alabama. That could be a good team in the Sunbelt this year. And Oklahoma state does have some, uh, question marks and concerns for me. So they're going to be coming off that Arizona State game. If Oklahoma State loses on the road at Arizona State, which I'm not expecting, I have a 63% win probability for Oklahoma State. If they lose that game, it sets up a, a scenario where they're sluggish, they, they're not ready, and South Alabama comes out as, as one of the, the maybe more dangerous teams in the Sun Belt. If they get them, now you're one and two for Oklahoma State facing a trip to Ames before a bye week. The, the season could get off the rails quickly for Oklahoma State, which would be a shame since their schedule, by my numbers, is the easiest in all of the Big 12. So they really have an opportunity this year uh, to maybe overachieve their talent. But if they drop that game at Arizona State and then get tricked at South Al or against South Alabama, it could get ugly quicker for Oklahoma State this year. So I I've just run through a bunch right there. Um, we can dive more into them. But the to me, those are some of the ones outside of the obvious where Big 12 teams have a chance. And if the Big 12 wins... 75 or 80 percent of those games the national perception of the big 12 this year is going to be really really good if they lose 75 or 80 percent of those games people could be questioning how good is the big 12 champion this year because of these results in the non-conference and, and, and the hit that they took early on yeah i mean you mentioned south Alabama, oklahoma state and i keep making this point of i think that is actually oklahoma state's most challenging non-conference game and i and i i don't mean that as big of a slight to arizona state as it comes across it's more compliment to I really like Kane Womack. I really like what they did in year one at South Alabama. Like I, I, that's a team. I think if I am going to put money down on who wins the Sun Belt this year, I'm putting it on South Alabama because Troy losing their defensive coordinator and some of the things that they lost there. Um, Coastal Carolina just lost Jamie Chadwell. Like some of the other things going on Sun Belt. I think South Alabama should be the favorite. I think that's going to be a good team. It's a good defensive team. Like, do I think Oklahoma State will lose at home to South Alabama? No, but you know, 2016 Central Michigan happened. So mm -hmm. things happen. And so like, I think that's a sneaky good game. Uh, I think that the UCF Boise State is a sneaky good game that really should be getting more attention than it does. Your, your point on that is true. Like it's Boise State. It is the, it was the sets everything up G5 program. BCS Buster. The darling. Yep. Yeah. And then like we've had Cincinnati make the playoff. They've had their their big rise. We've seen Houston have big seasons. We've Tulane last year. UCF to me has been the biggest kind of since then outside of not making the playoff. Just we've seen multiple head coaches have high levels of success at UCF. So like I think UCF at Boise State is a is a fantastic game. Week three also gives us two we haven't talked about yet that I I want to talk about. Um, one of them is we get the backyard brawl. Again, Love last it. year Love we it. got it as the season opener, um, like one of the, the first big game of the season. I would love Backyard Brawl to just become a 
Friday night, a Thursday night of Labor Day weekend, annual tradition, give me that game every year. I think we would all enjoy that game. Um, This year we get it week three, West Virginia coming off an FCS game, Pitt coming off a home game against Cincinnati, so a very different situation. And West Virginia really in a, like, no one expects them to beat Penn State. Then they get to go home for an FCS, and then they're going to host Pitt, their true rival, in the backyard brawl. Like, that is a, as far as the narratives and conversations we're having within the Big 12 this year, that's a massive game for Neil Brown. Because the way the schedule sets up for West Virginia this year, then they open conference play with TCU and Texas Tech. Like, that is, to me, an absolute must-win for Neil Brown in West Virginia. Yeah, there's there's no doubt about it. And I want to go back to your point about let's play this game on you know Thursday or Friday, Labor Day weekend. Nothing would make me happier. And as a college football fan, what we've seen, everything happening recently, I know we'll never get it because it would just be too good to be true. But I'm with yeah. you, Philip. That would be phenomenal. The West Virginia's schedule is no joke. It's the second most difficult schedule in the entire conference by my numbers. Philip, I'll say this slowly and say it twice because I, I struggle with how to phrase it. West Virginia, if you look at their opposing offenses that they are facing this year, if you aggregate all their offenses that West Virginia is facing, it is the most difficult collection of opposing FBS offenses that any team faces in the entire country. No team in the entire country faces a better collection of opposing FBS offenses on average week in and week out than West Virginia and so that's concerning enough as it is. You're, you're facing incredibly high-powered offenses. If I just roll down their schedule, Penn State is a top 20 offense. Pitt, top 40 offense. Texas Tech, top 25. TCU, top 15. Houston, Oklahoma State, both top 35. UCF as well. BYU's number 40. Oklahoma's 10. Uh, Baylor's 29. The only one that's outside the top 41 from the FBS ranks is Cincinnati in Week 12, and they're 74. Every single other FBS opponent that West Virginia faces this year outside of Cincinnati is a top 41 projected offensive unit by my numbers. That's insane, made more difficult by the fact or more problematic by the fact that my numbers are projecting West Virginia's defense to be a mid-70s unit. I have them 76 right now. So you're facing, on average, you know, a, a top 30 or 35 offense every single week, and your defense is projecting 76. The schedule's incredibly difficult, 20th most difficult in the country, uh, second most difficult in the conference. And yes, you mentioned the pit game. I'm currently making West Virginia about a two-and-a-half or three-point underdog in that one. It would be huge if they could get that, and they really need it. Because if I'm looking at West Virginia's, uh, the projected game spreads for West Virginia this year, as I scroll to that, I have West Virginia as a projected underdog in nine games. Only three games am I projecting West Virginia as a favorite, and two of those, Philip, are by a field goal or less. So uh, it's just the schedule's ridiculous. That It's not going to happen, but theoretically, if they lost every game they were an underdog in and they got upset by the field goal or less spreads, you're looking at 1-11. That's not going to happen. My number's suggesting four or five wins is the most likely with a 28% chance to go bowling. But it's just so difficult. And Neil Brown, it's a, it's a tough year for him to be uh, facing a very difficult schedule. I, I never clamor for people to lose their jobs. I hope he doesn't. I hope they can get enough wins to keep him. Um, but man, it's just, it's brutal. It's brutal for West Virginia. Going to be clipping that, posting it everywhere. <laughs> uh, that's that's going to be great. Uh, the other game we haven't talked about that I think is a big one. Um, it's BYU at Arkansas in week three. There's a very good chance I will actually be at that game. Um, you live in Arkansas and you get tickets. Anywho, <laughs> like 
BYU, expect to be, I'm, I'm curious your numbers on BYU this year. I have high expectations for the offense and a lot of questions about what the defense is going to be. Arkansas are placing both of their coordinators, KJ Jefferson, one of the better quarterbacks in the SEC. They've had a lot of kind of moving and shuffling through the transfer portal. It's a very interesting game to me because I really, like in Arkansas, went to BYU last year and took care of BYU pretty handily. That would be the expectation this year as well. I'm curious what your numbers say because I am I am intrigued by this game because it's it's one of the ones I feel less confident in the outcome of. It, it's a very projected to be a very good game. I have it as uh, the number nine game of week three, just behind the backyard brawl, which is number eight. And uh, and I did touch on earlier Kansas State Missouri. I have that game at number four in week three. Um, but this game BYU Arkansas, my numbers currently like Arkansas by about nine. And and here's. I went on uh, the BYU Sports Nation show a couple months ago now, and, and my projections have been uh, – they have improved for BYU since that time, but I would not say they've improved dramatically. Um, I have BYU right now power rated 55. The offense projecting to be a top 40 unit. The defense, though, is number 86 right now in my numbers. So I have very big concerns about this defense. And if you look at their schedule, I talked about how West Virginia is an underdog in nine games. So is BYU. Now, granted – Three of those, they're an underdog by a field goal or less. But then on the three games that BYU is a favorite, I have two, and it's their first two games of the year, Sam Houston at home and Southern Utah from the FCS ranks at home. They're projected to win those by more than three touchdowns. So you're expecting BYU to start 2-0. and After that, though, the only other game that I have BYU currently favored in is Week 5 at home against fellow newcomer Cincinnati, and I like BYU in that one by about two. So you're looking at a stretch after starting hopefully 2-0, and where you're at Arkansas, underdog. You're at Kansas, short underdog. I mean, under a field goal. Home to Cincinnati. BYU could, they could be 4-1 and one at that point. If they pull off an upset against Arkansas in this game that we're talking about, they could be 5-0. and oh. I, And I would be floored because I'm giving just a 68% chance that they end the year with five-plus wins. But hey, Kansas proved me wrong last year, and no one was happier to see it than me. Like, it was awesome. But BYU is a team I just have really serious concerns about. They're not technically coming from the group of five ranks, being an independent. That's not a group of five conference because independents aren't conferences. But we don't really know how to classify them outside of that. So for lack of a better term, they're making that transition to the power five. It's going to be tough. I'm projecting kind of a tough road for all the newcomers. UCF best position this year for me of the four new teams to have success right out of the gate. Listen, Texas Tech at home. I think Texas Tech's a really good team. I make it that a five and a half point game at West Virginia in week 10, a two and a half point. So that could, I mean, that's a big swing game for both these programs. Probably both teams are going to be needing a win in week 10 at that point. Iowa State, BYU is an underdog by one at home, but who knows? Because again, I haven't fully accounted for all the off the field things going on there with Iowa State. So they could end up being a favorite in that one. And then they close the year at Oklahoma State, uh, underdog by six points. So if Oklahoma State season's off the rails by that point, as we mentioned, maybe BYU has a chance there. It's a 41% chance to go bowling for BYU for me right now. And the game at Arkansas, certainly projecting to be a very difficult one. It's the uh, fourth largest spread, fourth largest projected underdog I have BYU all year at nine points. The only games in which I'm projecting BYU to be a bigger dog. Week seven, they go to TCU, 12 and a half. Week nine, they go to Texas, 21 and a half. And week 12, they welcome Oklahoma. Uh, that's 11 points. But I'm not I'm not going to write that one off. Oklahoma, I promise you, they're probably not going to be wanting to go up to the state of Utah uh, in week 12, late no, mid, mid to late November there and play. If it's a night game, especially, I mean, hey, hey, BYU could surprise some folks there. Maybe Oklahoma is still playing for something. Maybe they're not. Um, but yes, the BYU at Arkansas game, I'm very excited about it. Should be a good one. 
but I do, I like Arkansas. I got them as a top 30 team this year with a, with a really good offense, top 20. And like I said, BYU's defense is the concern. So um, it could happen. I'm giving it a, a 25% chance. I'm going to ask you a question and then I'm going to ramble for a minute so you can look up the answer because I didn't prep you for this when it just came to Brian. And on your projections, who has, whether whether favored or a dog, doesn't matter, who is projected for the, the most close games? Like field goal less, four points, like less than a touchdown. Who's got the most sing, like one score projected outcomes in the Big 12 this season? And while you look that up, because I didn't prep you, and that's a, it's going to take a little research. Like I'm also going to want to talk about Kansas a little bit because one of the things to me is that Kansas should be better this year. I believe they will both on offense and in def- on defense. Um, we saw them get to six wins last year. Obviously, it was a 5-0 and start, and they were able to get that sixth win. But part of that was being able to go 3-0 and in non-conference. I feel like this year's non-conference slate, we've kind of touched on Kansas-Illinois, is more difficult than it was last year. Part of that being, I think Illinois is a more difficult uh, non-con opponent than Duke was last year, and then a road trip to Nevada I want to talk about. Um, go ahead and give me your answer to the first question. Yeah, first, first question. So I actually, man, I'm telling you, Philip, this is, I love that I'm more useful with my website now. I've got all this in, I'm just looking at my website. I'm not even having to go through my spreadsheets. I'm just at my website now because I have these answers ready to go now. It's great. I'm finally using the website to its full functionality. To answer your question, how about nationally first? The team with the most projected games to be within a field goal is Virginia Tech. I have seven games for Virginia Tech, two in which they're a favorite, five in which they're an underdog, that the spread is projected to be a field goal or less. So I mean that that's that's remarkable. That's gonna be crazy for, for Virginia Tech this year. If they can go seven and zero in one score games or in field goal games, they're gonna have a great year. If they go 0 and seven, it'll be terrible and they'll probably end up somewhere in between. In the Big 12, and I'm, and I'm glad you asked it kind of within a, a touchdown, because I, I even think I remember tweeting about this. Oklahoma State, Philip has 10 games that I'm projecting to be a touchdown or less one way or the other. I actually only have Oklahoma. I talked about their schedule. It's the easiest in the Big 12. And we talked about how they're, they they could get off the rails. I'm still encouraged by them because I, if they win their close games, they're going to have a really good year. Fans are going to be really happy with the win-loss record. There's only four games in which I'm projecting Oklahoma State to be an underdog. One of them by a field goal or less, and the other three by between a field goal and a touchdown. The flip side of that is there are six games that I'm projecting Oklahoma State to be a touchdown or less favorite, two of those a field goal or less, four between a field goal and a touchdown. So of Oklahoma State's 12 games, 10 are projected to be within one score. The only two that are not is at home to start the year against FCS Central Arkansas. It's about 33 points. And then in week three, that South Alabama game we talked about, which could be tricky, I currently have it as about 10 points uh, in, in favor of Oklahoma State. Every other game, so that includes Arizona State and then all nine Big 12 games are projected to be within a touchdown or less one way or the other. Get your heart, uh, heart pacemakers or whatever they are ready. Uh, if you're in Stillwater, because it's going to be a very exciting year, hopefully lots of close games for them. And hopefully for Oklahoma state fans, lots of wins. Uh, it's going to be very, very fun. I can't wait to see it. And like I said, this team power rated number 43 offenses, top 35 defenses in that mid, mid to low fifties, uh, excuse me. It's the easiest schedule in the Big 12 and amongst the easiest in all the Power Five. I mean, it's the 65th most difficult, meaning it's the the fifth easiest Power Five schedule of anybody this year. So um, Oklahoma State, to answer your question, is the team that has the most in the Big 12 projected close games. Cowboy fans, get ready for another season of Cardiac Cowboys. There it is. Uh, I was, I was are... looking for it. It's Cardiac Cowboys. There it is. Thank it's you. Cardiac Cowboys. I, I, I've been trying to like brand teams as we get close to the season. I've, Cincinnati is my mystery team for the year. I'm officially 
officially claiming the Cowboys as the team of chaos uh, with that many close games <laughs> this year. It's awesome. Uh, all right, get your heart meds ready. Okay, uh, Kansas. I want to talk about Kansas. Um, like I said, I, I, I it wouldn't shock me if Kansas was a better team this year than last year and won five games because of, of how last season kind of went. And I think this season's schedule is more difficult. We've talked about, you know, schedule difficulty earlier this year, specifically in the non-conference. I feel like this non-conference slate with Missouri State, first-year head coach, uh, Illinois, and at Nevada is a more difficult three-game stretch than they had last year in non-conference. Am I, am I, am I right in your feeling there? Remind me who their three were last year, Philip. I can't remember off the top of my head who they had. Uh, the three last year, obviously, there was the game against Duke. Mm-hmm. Uh, now I have to do a little Googling. Okay. Well, while, while, while you're looking at that, I'll talk about these three. Um, Missouri State, and, and new this year, I don't just use kind of placeholder FCS ratings or some imaginative thing. I have very rough estimates for fcs uh power ratings it's not nearly as robust as my fbs model but i feel better about projecting fcs teams this year into fbs schedules i like kansas by about 30 and a half points it's a 98 percent win probability against missouri state I, I expect kansas take care of business in that game Do, will they win by 30 and a half probably not but i think kansas offense is legit this year i think they're going to score enough points to win that game week two against illinois like you said illinois they're they're a good team I'm currently making Kansas about a one and a half point underdog um, in that game. The fact that it is at home gives them a little bit of a bump, but I think Illinois is a good team. If Kansas can find a way to win that one, their chances of reaching a bowl, I think would be uh, greatly improved in my numbers. And then week three at Nevada, I- I'm not, I'm really not that high on Nevada. I've got Nevada. I, I like Kansas by about 13 and a half uh, Nevada. I've got them power rated number 118. The offense is number 122, which is good. Cause I'll get to Kansas's defense in a second. And then that defense that Nevada has I'm power rating number 99. So I, I expect Kansas to be able to score points uh, there. Illinois got a top 10 defense, by the way. I didn't mention that. Um, so they're going to be really tough to score on. But to me, uh, it, there's two. It should be two wins, and it could be three. It, it, you're more likely, by my numbers, to go three and oh than one and two, I would say, at this point. But two and one is by far and away the most likely uh, for me out of the first three there. I take it back. Last year was Tennessee Tech at Houston and Duke at home. So... I think at Houston, Illinois, I think is better this year than Duke was last year, but I would take a road game at Houston as a far better opponent than a road game at Nevada. Yeah, so. I, I, I think that's fair. And then if we look at Kansas to schedule the rest of the way, because we talked about last year, they surprised me. Preseason, I had a 1% chance Kansas would go bowling. And sure enough, they went bowling this year. Kansas fans are, are they're already mad at me, Philip. I know I've heard about it. I have a 41% chance for them to go bowling this year. So again, l- let's look at year over year progression because rating power ratings are slow to adapt. A 1% chance a year ago to a 41% chance this year. That is incredible growth and progress and improvement. This team, Philip, if we look at the last 10 years of K-Ford ratings, Kansas never finished higher than 91st. They finished 91st in my year-end power ratings in 2018. They were 92nd in 2014. Other than that, they hadn't finished in the top 100 in the last 10 years. Last year, they finished 55th. It's awesome. 62.1 K-Ford rating. That's better than FBS average. 55th nationally. This year coming in, I have them 57th nationally. So my, ex- my starting point expectation is much, much higher for Kansas this year. But I'm not going to go all in and say this team's going to win eight games because they won six last year. That's just not how this works. They won six last year. It was 3.3 more than I expected in the preseason. That plus 3.3 differential means Kansas finished eighth overall in my biggest overachievers from last year. TCU, another Big 12 team, finished number one, of course, going 12-0, and 0, uh, winning nearly six more games than I expected. Um, so Kansas was a top 10 overachiever last year. The offense is going to be really good. I've got them top 30. 
I have concerns about the defense. It's a sub 100 defense for me right now. They could surprise me, but I think this is the worst defense in the Big 12 by my numbers. Kansas fans aren't going to like that. I understand it. It is what it is. The numbers are the numbers. Prove me wrong again. You did it last year. Prove me wrong again. Uh, it's a manageable schedule. I have it as the the 10th most difficult in the Big 12. So it's manageable. Um, they don't play too difficult of opposing offenses, you know, relative to power five standards, which is good since it's defense, I have those concerns about. Um, but as I'm looking at Kansas, I make them as favorites in only three games. This is a theme. BYU, Kansas, West Virginia, Cincinnati, underdogs in nine games this year. Um, many of them are close. I've got Kansas as, you know, seven games that they're, it's a touchdown or less. Uh, it's only two games that they're uh, multi-score underdog. But after the first four weeks, I don't make Kansas a favorite again the rest of the way. Favorite in week one, Missouri State, underdog slight in week two against Illinois, favored week three at Nevada, favored week four at home to BYU, and then underdogs the rest of the way. Um, 41% chance. They did it last year with 1%. I won't be surprised at all if Kansas gets to six this year. I like what's going on there. The numbers are slow to react, and the numbers are the numbers. Prove me wrong again is what I would say to Kansas fans. Yeah, I like I, again, Im- improvement on the field may not equal improvement in the record this year for Kansas, but improvement period is a solid thing. Like if, if Kansas can avoid losing as many double-digit games, like that's a sign of progress. That's a good thing. And I mean, I would expect Jalen Daniels back for another season next year. So there's plenty to be excited about for Kansas. Uh, NA 16 team Big 12. I can't stop <laughs> laughing at it. Like I go to the intro for the show and it's always plus Colorado, Arizona, Arizona State, and Utah. I have yet to stop laughing when I say it because it's just the most ludicrous thing. Wild. Absolutely imaginable that the Big 12 is going to have 16 teams with, with those four. It's wild. I, it's It's wild. Uh, Kelly, you are awesome as always. I always appreciate your time on the show. This will, of course, not be the last time. Heck, this is not going to be the last time this season that we have you on here. Uh, we we always get you on for a picks pod every year, uh, so we will we will schedule that sometime soon. Do me a favor, Kelly. I know you are all over the place now. You do so much covering college football. Where can people find all of it? Yeah, I uh, I appreciate it, Philip. This is always fun. Like I said, the Ten Twelve Network podcast, special place in my heart. I love to see how this podcast, this network, has grown, uh, both in terms of viewership, listenership, but also conference size. <laughs> as you just mentioned, nothing but growth for the for the Big Twelve and the, and the Ten Twelve Network. Um, I appreciate it as always. You can find me on Twitter um, or X, as I guess it's called now, at K Ford Ratings. I, I know I, I say that sometimes. You're like, no, no, it's Twitter, whatever it's called. I'm at K Ford Ratings. You can find the website kfordratings.com. I mentioned it does have a lot more informative graphics and data on there now than it has in the past i will promise to try to keep that updated throughout the season i'm very much looking forward to it you can find me over at the lines.com doing the lines college football show uh, with brett gibbons as well and then uh can't announce it yet but another uh podcast forthcoming uh hopefully in the next week or so so like philip said you can find me in a lot of different places i appreciate uh any interaction or, or follows that you can give i do like to interact with people However, uh, with that being said, I do appreciate when we're interacting in a civil manner. Most of these listeners, I'm sure, are falling in that camp. Uh, I'm, I, I don't block anybody, but I'm quick to mute sometimes. I did a whole refresh, Philip. No one is muted right now. No, no account and all, all of Twitter is muted. We will see once the season starts how long that lasts. But um, just appreciate any constructive comments, feedback, conversation, always down. And I appreciate it, Philip. This is so much fun. I mean, at this point, I think, again, every podcast is someone's first. Uh, I think listeners of the show are fully aware of you and appreciate how much you are willing to talk and have a conversation and, and, and share your numbers. And once they understand the difference between power rankings and power ratings, which are not the same <laughs> thing, everybody, uh, I think they kind of at least – 
can agree to disagree in in some cases with you. So everybody make sure that you are uh, checking out all of Kelly's work. He does an incredible job covering college football. We love having him here on the show. Uh, This is... I I don't keep track of guest appearances, but I'm pretty sure by the end of this year, you might be up there among our like top group. We got to come up with something like SNL does when you have the like, was it like <laughs> 10 time guest or whatever it is? Like, I, cause I think you're hitting that point. Nothing would make me happier than to be at the top of those rankings, Philip, most guests on the 1012 network. That would be uh, quite the honor for me. I appreciate it as always. And I'm very much looking for a year ago. I said I'm very much looking forward to this final year of the current Big 12 uh, uh, composition. I guess I can say it a year later. I'm very much looking forward to this final year of the current Big 12 composition. Hey, I know Texas and Oklahoma are on their way out. It still makes me sad. I still think they belong in the Big 12. Big 12 is going to be just fine, bringing in a ton of new teams. Uh, we'll talk more about it on a future one, I'm sure. I love the the readdition of Colorado because in, in my mind, I kind of froze the conference in 2007 anyway. So Colorado belongs in the Big 12. These other ones, I'm going to have to get used to, uh, but I'm excited for the Big 12 and the growth of this conference moving forward and and what that's going to do for this podcast. So, uh, Philip, as always, you're the best. I appreciate it and can't wait to watch some, some great Big 12 games this year. If you've been paying attention to us on social media, especially last week, and you've been listening to the show for a little while, you've heard us mention that we are now partners with Sports Social, the biggest sports podcast network in Europe. They look to expand their U.S. coverage, and we look to hopefully gain some Big 12 fans across the pond, and this has been a fantastic partnership so far. So very excited today to welcome the head of Sports Social, that's Stefan Doyle, to the show. Stefan, welcome. Hi, Philip. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Uh, So just for people who have kind of heard it but don't know what we're talking about, obviously you guys have been posting on social Instagram and Twitter as as each of the 1012 Network podcasts that look to partner with you as well get added. Just kind of walk us through what is Sports Social. Yeah, so Sports Social, as you mentioned there, is the biggest dedicated sport-focused content of library in terms of a podcast network in Europe. Um, it was set up in 2021 by our parent company, VoiceWorks Sport, and the people that are behind it are a collective of award-winning audio enthusiasts. So um, myself, I've worked for the BBC, for Global, for Bauer, which are big radio brands and companies here in the UK. So um, stations from Heart FM to Absolute Radio. So I've sort of got a fairly decent uh, background myself. Um, and the rest of the team have worked in podcasting and radio as well for a long time. Um, our MD has worked uh, commercially in TV too. So we feel like as a business, we've got a good understanding of what makes good audio content. Um, I mean, the reason the network was set up a few years ago was because we were sort of as a business facing problems that a lot of podcasters do around uh, getting their content heard out there. So unless you're like one of the big dogs with one of the big networks, it's sometimes hard to get discovered and get the best monetization for the content you're creating. The fact that the sport audiences that we knew we could serve, we just weren't getting the value from it. So the network was set up um, to sort of try and target those predominantly male audiences, 25 to 44, which we know is a key market for advertisers. Um, and yeah, fast forward two years, uh, two and a half years, I should say. I'll just do that again for you to pick up. So yeah, fast forward two and a half years, um, and what we've created now, like I say, is the biggest sport-dedicated podcast network in Europe. We've got over 300 titles, bringing in a combined monthly downloads of over 8 million. Um, we try not to focus just too much on the numbers, though. I mean, we've been customers of some of the bigger networks before and sort of seen a lot of problems, as, as great as they are, what they do. We found a lot of problems around customer service, so we really try to work with podcasters and figure out what it is that each individual show is after. So whether that's 
growing their audience, um, whether that be growing their finances. Maybe it's a, a podcast that's running alongside what they do as, as a business, as if they consider their podcast as part of a business. We sort of want to work out what the KPI is for each person um, and sort of take it from there and help them sort of recognise their ambitions. So a rather long-winded answer, but what we are is a, a sport-focused library of content, giving um, sport podcasts the opportunity to grow their audiences and get better monetization. Yeah, you guys have a fantastic library. As a, uh, a occasional Premier League fan and a, uh, an adopter of Manchester City, I get one. I get one like, I'm just going to pick a team and they're going to win and I'm going to be happy with it. I, I really enjoy being partnered with something so different. I mean, look, it, it is a struggle for podcasters everywhere obviously in Europe as well as the U.S., you know, to try and find opportunities to grow, both helping find audience, help finding monetization. And so like that's something that we as a network have been trying to find. And and the opportunity to partner with you guys so far has been incredible. Um, The team over there has done a great job of of helping us, helping us get on board, kind of helping to to grow what it is that we're doing. What kind of led to you guys looking to, as you continue to grow, obviously the, the collection of a podcast that focused on sports in Europe, but start focusing on adding shows from here in the US? I think for us, it's a good opportunity, like you say, to sort of grow audiences across the world and sort of shine the light on the sports that you may not have heard about. I mean, Obviously, um, the Big 12, which I'm learning a bit about myself. I, already did, I must say, I didn't know too much about it a few months ago until we started working together. I think it's it's a good opportunity to sort of try and cross-pollinate audiences. And like you mentioned there, with you sort of adopting Premier League football, um, I think it's up to us to sort of try and present these opportunities to other audiences that we've already got in the network. And I think as well, from a commercial point of view, um, podcasting just continues to grow from strength to strength. So working with bigger audiences in the U.S., um, we'll start unlocking better commercial opportunities for audiences in the U. Um, so working with podcasts in the US, we'll start unlocking better commercial opportunities for those podcasts because we're able to accumulate those American audiences all together and start to set up higher CPMs to some of the bigger brands in the world. I think the best part about being a sports dedicated podcast network is that we can start to try and target those brands that are really interested in those sports audiences. So yes, we'll work with the VPN companies and the manscapes of the world, but what we want to do is sort of try and blaze a trail almost in, in podcast advertising for sport. Um, and yeah, and sort of try and get those big sport partnerships. Uh, it's been it's been fun so far. Love the opportunity to try and spread the news of the Big 12 conference and grow the brand over there in the uh, the UK. I'm just curious from your perspective, as you said, you, you're just learning about the Big 12 now that we've we've started to form this partnership. Obviously, we've seen the NFL continues to bring games to Europe, and there's there's yep. shown some interest in that. Is there interest in like American college football over there in Europe that aren't just from Americans who have who moved over? Do you see some some interest there, um, an opportunity for college football growth and awareness in Europe? Um, I couldn't give a too de- detailed answer. But what I would say is that, like you say. So I think the NFL continues to go from strength to strength here in the UK and in Europe. Obviously, more matches are starting to be played over here now. And I think there's the opportunity for uh, American football fans to try and sort of expand their knowledge. So you're not just picking uh, your Miami Dolphins team or your Dallas Cowboys team. What you're trying to do is sort of just look at the, the bigger process. So if I can compare it to here in the UK, I mean, the way that our soccer works is that obviously the pyramid goes down quite deep. So... Yeah, people will be interested in the Premier League teams, but if you start going down like five divisions below that, that's when you start getting into the real grassroots game and you start seeing some of those up and coming stars. And I do think that 
as the NFL starts the, to grow even further in popularity, more people will start picking up college football and saying, oh, I saw that player play for that college years ago and now they're here playing in the NFL. I think there's a lot of fun things that we can sort of learn as well from uh, American sports. The fact that you guys obviously have a draft system at the end of the year um, or the beginning of the season when it comes to picking new players, whereas for us it's a lot about people coming through academies and then sort of getting scouted to sort of join the bigger teams or bigger money. So it's, I think it's just interesting for fans to sort of try and understand how different sports work. And I think, again, having the American sporting podcast that you guys can bring to the network offers more opportunities for audiences in the UK and Europe to sort of explore that in more detail. I mean, I don't think it would be shocking for anyone to say that the, the Premier League pods on Sports Social are some of the, the, the biggest listens, Premier League obviously being huge. And this is the perfect time of year as the, as the, the new season gets underway. What do you? Where do you think some of the other sports strength lie in the sports social? As far as like we've got really good podcasts for rugby or or this or this. I think um, some of our strongest um, other sports is I think particularly having just had the Ashes here in England, which is obviously a big thing, is cricket. Um, so our cricket stable of podcasts is probably about um, <laughs> about having all the other stats of everyone else's uh, other networks. So I'd say it's probably one of the strongest in the world um, during the. Ashes, we regularly had at least six or seven of the top 10 uh, podcasts for cricket here in the UK, um, podcast charts. Um, and yeah, across the Ashes period, they brought in over 2 million downloads between the start of June and end of July. So definitely say uh, cricket. We work with some exciting uh, F1 partners as well. Um, the Autosport F1 podcast and Late Breaking being two particular um uh, examples there and again there are good examples of um sports that are growing with that global appeal i mean f1 thanks to drive to survive is really starting to take off a bit more in in the states than it probably ever has done before as well i mean you've had the races in miami now i think there's one in texas in a in a few months time as well i think it's in october um so yeah there's a yeah the growing appetite there but yeah to bring it back i think there should be something for everyone on the Sports Social Podcast Network. So whether you're a fan of uh, American football, soccer, uh, cricket. I mean, we even work with some basketball podcasts as well. Um, uh, basketball Coach Unplugged. Uh, shout out to Steve Collins. Um, we've worked with him for about six months now. Um, and they're great podcasts as well for people looking to get into sort of the coaching side of the game. Um, so whether that be coaching their their school teams or like grassroots teams i think there's a lot that we can learn from the stuff that he does as well and he's he's a really interesting content creator so yeah i said depending on what sport you're interested in i do feel like there's a lot of stuff there for people to to reach out and listen to uh, you've got a great collection of shows um i would say for anybody who's interested in things outside of the big 12 especially sports over in europe you guys have cricket as you mentioned uh baseball basketball soccer uh, uh football sorry uh golf hockey rugby <laughs> snooker like you guys have a massive collection of sports for those who might be interested in something like that so i've already seen a couple of people who, who listen to this show in particular uh mention they're kind of excited because they're they have a premier league team and so now they have now they're going to go check out the the shows for their for their squad so um i i love this partnership i look at the i'm looking forward to all the different ways we're going to find to grow both the tentacle network and and to help grow uh, interest in american uh, college football over there where should people go check it out how do people find out all the shows you've got 
So if people want to explore the podcast that we have on the Sport Social Podcast Network, just search sport-social.co.uk and that'll bring you to our homepage um, and you'll be able to find a collection of uh, podcasts there for all sports. Um, and later this year, we'll be launching our own um, app as well where we'll be able to listen to um, all of the shows on the network. So stay tuned for more information on that. Uh, very excited for the app. Uh, I've already hired it, had the uh, the live show tease that's going to be available on that. Going to have to test that out. Uh, very excited about it. So, Stefan, man, I really appreciate you taking the time today and chatting with us and introducing Sports Social to all the listeners. Uh, I really appreciate this po- this opportunity that we have to partner, and I look forward to to all the growth for both sides, man. Yeah, thanks, Philip. It's going to be some exciting times ahead, I'm sure. Podcast Network.